Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Worsniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me on location here in San Diego, my guest is a singer-songwriter who has performed internationally and is working towards an EP release. Already in her young career, she has been involved in charitable works, and she has worked with the former guitar teacher for Carlos Santana. She is currently ranked number one on Reverb Nation for her genre here in San Diego. You've been hearing a song of hers entitled Count Your Shoes. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Denora Zamora. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming and doing this today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Tell the listeners all about the song of yours that we were just playing, Count Your Shoes. So Count Your Shoes, I wrote this song when I was 16 years old. I was living in China, and when I wrote it, it was about this ex-boyfriend of mine who was really into psychology, and uh, he was always trying to analyze me and my friends, and up until a point where I was uncomfortable. So it's pretty much about that, the song, about perspective, and when someone tries to feel like they know everyone's perspective and it makes you feel uncomfortable. But you can put it to any story, you know, you can speak about it in a, in a political way, in, a, in many ways the song could be interpreted. Where does the count your shoes angle hook title come from? Count your shoes? So it's like, um, there's a saying that goes, hop into my shoes so you can see where I'm coming from, something like that, kind of like a perspective mm-hmm. metaphor. Mm-hmm. So, but, but count your shoes count though? Your shoes. Count how many perspectives you're trying to put on yourself. Ah. That's what I'm trying to tell him. Okay, okay. So that so this is true. This was an actual real life boyfriend. Yeah. And so then so then the next logical question is, has he heard the song? Does he know that you wrote I it about know. him? I have no idea. <laughs> but you said you wrote it in China? Yes, when I was sixteen. And so was he there or was he back in the States or in he Mexico or where was he? He, he was, was there. It was a month before I moved to San Diego. Ah, okay. And yes, listeners, we will get into why was she in China, and you're actually born in Mexico, is that correct? Okay, well, we have a lot to cover here. Uh, What an amazing story you have of getting started into music at a really, really (laughs) young age. It is said that your inspiration for songwriting began at five years old, when you would sing song ideas to your mother who would help you write it down? Yeah, um, so I always wanted to write music. I always wanted to have my own original music and I would always pretend I was famous and I was younger and I would give shows to my family and dress up and everything. But I always wanted to write music and I would write about breakup songs and just questions about life that I had when I was younger. But at five years old, I couldn't write it and I would tell my mom, so I have this idea of a song and I want to write it. And she was like, okay, I'll help you. And I remember we color coded it. Wow. To, see where the chorus was and the verses and everything. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so then you must have already been listening. To, did, did you grow up in a musical household? Is that the case yeah, where at five years old you're, quote unquote, starting to write songs? Yeah, my dad's a musician and he grew up um, performing with a lot of bands. And he also writes his own music. And I remember I grew up listening to a lot of music around the house, a lot of classic rock, a lot of Spanish Latin rock and smooth jazz and a lot of different genres. And um, yeah, I just wanted to make my own. A little bit of everything, it sounds yeah, like. I always loved singing. Well, that's probably helpful in that it sounds like you were very well-rounded, so you had a really good musical foundation to operate from. And support, because my parents always supported my musical interests. Interest. So when you're five and you're coming up with these ideas for songs and your mother is helping you write them down, is she, is your dad, are both of them, is a light going on saying, okay, this is not common for a five-year-old. We need to put her into music? Well... They always knew I liked music and I liked to sing and I had this personality of a very fiery personality when I was younger and I was always really nosy and I wanted to just get on stage and show everybody that I wanted to sing. Wow. But it became more serious later on once uh, people started noticing and telling him, my dad, like, oh, she can really sing. So he started going like, hmm, okay. Well, which is always good to hear because, of course, mom and dad are always going to tell their son or their daughter how wonderful they are and how talented they are and what great entertainers they are. And all of a sudden, when your dad is hearing it from other people, it starts to feel like, okay, it's not just because she's my daughter. And all of a sudden, it sounds like more and more doors started to open. But you said something about being nosy, and I kind of like that in the sense that you can almost make an argument that being nosy is being curious. And I'm sure that that's probably helpful uh, for someone who's a songwriter. Yeah, yeah, because when I was, I was younger, I used to, we used to go out to eat restaurants, and I would sit down and listen in on other people's conversations. Wow. Because I didn't have stories to tell yet, so if somebody was, was um, talking about their problems or something, I would get inspiration from that. <laughs> ah, wow. There's... Just the latest example of, of all the different places that songwriters could find song ideas. Well, then you got a really cool opportunity that not every performer has the luxury of. You lived your teenage years in China and were actually showcasing from the age of 12 and actually began performing covers in the middle of your dad's band's shows. Were, were you mature beyond your years, not only mentally but voice-wise too, that you're able to get up there at 12 while, you, while your dad's band has a show going on and, and perform cover songs? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm my worst critic. I'm very perfectionist. And it's really hard for me to say that. Like, I don't know how my voice was at that age, how I saw myself in that way, but I saw the way people reacted to it. And I just got up there, I just did what I loved. And, and yeah, I just wanted to be better. But there also has to be a level of confidence, though, because anybody at any stage of their career is going to have nerves. But at the same time, there's a difference between having nerves because you don't think you can go and do it and just having nerves because everyone has nerves when they step on stage, even the professionals. But did you feel, and again, to me, this is different from 
you know, you, you are coming across to me as someone who's very humble, but were you confident that, oh, I can get up there and do it, I might just be a little nervous because I'm only 12 or because it's my first time or because there's more people than my dad's band's last show? Yeah, I would be really nervous, but at the same time, I would say to myself, this is what I want to do, and in the future, it's not going to be just 20, 30 people. You know, I hope that there'll be more. <laughs> so I have to get used to this, and it's what I love. So I always got into that zone, and I always got into the song that I was singing and really felt the lyrics and, and the music. So clarify, when you were up there singing covers, was it that your dad's band was on a break and you were standing up there by yourself singing to tracks, or you would sing and his band would play behind you? Yeah, his band would play with me. Wow. And we usually just rehearse once. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because they had their own rehearsal. Well, that's terrific experience, yeah. though, because and for you to have that foresight and to tell yourself, again, at 12, at 12, listeners, she was only 12 years old, to tell yourself, look, this is what I want to do. And I have to get used to it. So I'm curious, now, present day in 2017, do you get nervous before you go on stage? Of course. I don't think it's ever going to go away. It's, it's this adrenaline. But I love it. I just love it. And yeah, I just, I want to express to people what I'm feeling when I'm singing my music. And I want them to know where it's coming from. And maybe they can connect to it. But it felt the same way before. And then they understand the lyrics. That's the cool part. So then when you do your live shows now, do you only do your original music or do you do covers? Is it sometimes I do one? In other words, uh, do you do originals only shows? Do you do covers only? Or do you do covers and originals mixed? So I do covers because the EP is not out yet. But I also have been performing counter shoes just to promote more, the single more. And but hopefully I will start performing the EP soon more than Okay. Well, at age 13, a whopping one year later, you started singing at open mics in bars and restaurants. And in 2014, you even performed in front of a large audience at an underground hip-hop festival. Talk about that experience as, as well as a couple of the big names that you met along the way. Yeah, so one of my friends there, Adrian, um, he, Adrian Black, he invited me to perform with him at this hip-hop festival that was underground and there was a lot of people there and I showed up with my parents and we were just going to do two songs. Yeah, it was just really fun. It was improvised, we didn't rehearse, nothing. We just, he just invited me to perform. It was a really cool experience. And the former drummer of Boston, James Mazdia, was there, uh, Steve Jones, a former guitarist of Lone Star. Yeah. This was at this festival that we're talking about, or no, these this were. This is a different festival. So Jim Azia owns a bar in Sheku called Sheku Shenzhen called Ghost Bar, and he just jams there sometimes. Has a lot of musicians come and play, and it's a really nice musical community there. And that's how we met, and my dad knew him and would jam with him. So. And Steve Jones. Steve Jones too. We met him there in China, and he's actually with us right now. He's one of my really good friends. He's going to be on the EP too. The really cool guitar solos in there. So, when they meet you at that point, you know, you're in your early teens. So, do they look at you kind of with that? And I wish that there was video now because the listeners can't see what I'm doing. But is it kind of, you know, patting you on the head and say, they oh, do. this little girl is nice. Isn't she cute? And, and then at some point, 
somebody, either you by singing for them or someone other than your parents, someone has to tell them, no, this girl is actually good. Don't dismiss her and say, oh, cute girl, run, run along. They did. Some of my dad's friends would actually get surprised that I was performing in bars. At a young age, they would kind of be like, um, why? You know, she's so young. But um, bars over there in China are very, um, they're more family oriented because it's very normal there. They're like restaurants. But a lot of people who are foreign, they see it that way. Um, but yeah, they would, they would see, oh, she's, yeah, she seems good. But certainly at some point, though, obviously, I take it that um, both Jim and Steve got the chance to hear you sing and said, oh, she actually is good. They, they always believed in me, actually. That's wonderful. For some reason, yeah. uh, listeners, go back and listen to episode 177 when I interviewed singer-songwriter Mae Tatro, who is from uh, sort of the Daytona Beach, Florida area, so to speak. Uh, she talked about the difficulties in getting booked to perform at bars uh, because when you're not of age, they won't book you to perform there. And so go back and listen to that interview because she talked about some of those challenges. But it sounds to me, Denora, as though you're saying that in China, that's not really the case where it's an age cutoff and they won't let you sing there. Yeah, well, they, they also didn't know how old I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, people always say I looked older when I was younger. When I was 14, 12, I looked um, older. And, well, they thought I didn't need to, but, yeah, and they just let me in. I would just sing. So nobody would really say anything about my age or if I was allowed to be in there or not. Well, I know you said that over there that, that it is more of a restaurant-type atmosphere, yeah. but, but is there, do you happen to know, is there an age cutoff where maybe you shouldn't have been allowed in there? So I don't think it's really enforced because it's a very, there's a lot of foreign people that visit, and it's a... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a restaurant kind of thing. So, and I also became really good friends with the bands that were performing the bars. So they would just invite me to, and the managers weren't really there often. So. That's, a, that's a good quote unquote back door. That's a good way to, yeah. to get yourself in there. <laughs> so I don't know that we've really even addressed it, but why were you in China anyways? So my dad's a commercial airline pilot, and we had to move there. Um, when he lost his job here due to econ economic problems and it was a really cool opportunity. I was 10 years old and, and I lived there and he works for Shenzhen Airlines so he's still working there. And so when did you leave Mexico and was that to move to California? Did you go from Mexico straight to San Diego first? Yes. I lived in La Paz, where I was born, La Paz, Baja California, for two years. And then I went to Tijuana, Mexico, for three years. And at five years old, I moved to San Diego, Chula Vista area. And also for the same reason, my dad's job and as, a, as a pilot. And yeah, he worked there for a different airline in China. He worked in Saudi Arabia for a while, too. Wow. We were going to have to live there, but then we didn't and then from China ended up moving back here to the San Diego area. Yeah, so my family stayed there, and then my dad, my mom, my sister, but my grandma moved from San Francisco to San Diego so I could live here when I was 16. Oh my gosh. I just wanted to continue music, and there was more opportunities here in California for that. So 
But the but the music the the nice thing about music is you've been able to do it everywhere that you've gone. Yes, of course. But do you see yourself long term staying in San Diego? Do you want to move up to Los Angeles? Do you want to go elsewhere in the U.S. or other countries? What what's your thoughts? I don't know. I can't say. I, I, I would say wherever it takes me. You know, wherever opportunities come and. I just want to keep working in music. <laughs> I can tell that because listeners, every time she opens her mouth to give an answer, she's got this big smile on her face, and you can tell that she just loves what she's doing. I am on location in San Diego and talking with singer-songwriter Denora Zamora. Visit her official website at denorazamora.com. Obviously, you will want to look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of her first and last name so you can get to her website. And then when you do, wow, there are lots of links there to Denora on social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. She's also on Reverb Nation, and you can find her music on SoundCloud. Yep, one of the platforms that the show is available on. Her music is streaming on Spotify, and you can purchase it through the likes of iTunes and Amazon. Speaking of Amazon, if you're going to go there for anything whatsoever, We do appreciate it if you start by going to nhte.net and click on the tall Amazon banner to get over there. They will kick a small, small percentage of the sale back to the podcast at no extra cost to you. We would greatly appreciate it if you would consider a contribution directly to NHTE. Go to patreon.com slash NHTE or go to nhte.net and there is a Patreon button that you can click on to go there to the campaign. There's some nice thank you rewards at the varying giving levels. There's also a Facebook group where you can go and chat with other listeners to the show. It's called NHTE Listeners, or just look for the Facebook group button on nhte.net. If you want to write in with any questions, comments, or just to say hello, let me know where you're listening from or what platform you're listening through. Podcast at nhte.net is the email address. Those platforms that you can listen through other than the website are iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. There are icons for all of those at nhte.net. Please do subscribe and tell a friend. And, of course, engage with us on social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. There's icons at nhte.net for all of those. Denora, since 2013, you have been collaborating on projects with a cause for Baja Sonic down in Tijuana, Mexico. You recorded a Christmas song for helping kids in extreme poverty and a cover of Try by Colby Calais to raise awareness for breast cancer. How did you get involved with all of this? So thank you to my Facebook page and to my first um, singles when I recorded, I was 12 years old, alone in Sunday. Um, I got in touch with Mario Lexpart. Mario Lexpart. Um, he works with Baja Sonic and he found me and we just got in touch and he started talking to me about these projects and when I would come um, to the U.S. so we could start working together. And when, then I found out that he worked with my father years ago. Wow. And yeah, it's crazy. But uh, are these individual circumstances because the opportunities presented themselves or are you kind of someone who is naturally on the lookout to get involved with different charitable causes? Of course, yeah. Of course, I, I love that. I love helping people because there's a lot of people that want in this world that shouldn't. And I'm just happy that I get to work with that and mix it with music. What about these particular charities that I talked about, um, or these causes, I should say, helping kids in extreme poverty, 
and uh, raising awareness for breast cancer. Is there any personal connection for you to one or both of those, or is that just who happened to be attached to these projects? I've always been really emotional um, about, you know, about raising awareness for like I said, things that shouldn't be happening in this world. And um, yeah, so this, when this opportunity came, I was really happy. But other artists as well are working together with this. And, and I was able to be a part of it and hopefully I'll be able to be a part of more, more projects with the cause and maybe start my own. Your own uh, nonprofit or foundation or something of that, of that nature. Yes. Oh, that's very uh, I mentioned back in the intro about you working with Carlos Santana's guitar teacher. In fact, you were invited to work with that gentleman. How did how did that offer get extended to you? Thanks to Mario Lagerberg again. He's uh, he's amazing. He's one of my really good friends too, and he's given me amazing opportunities like this to meet Javier Javier Batis. And we're working on some projects now, and he offered to teach me guitar. To solo and all this stuff. Wow. So um, I will be attending the US more often. But so if people went to see you perform live right now, would you just be singing or are you playing the guitar? I play guitar in a few songs. But I really like um, moving around and dancing and guitar doesn't allow me to do that. <laughs> but I love um, being diverse with the instruments and playing around with different things on stage. So is guitar the only instrument that you're pursuing, other than obviously your voice is an instrument? Well, um, I'm learning piano, because I can play it by ear, but I want to learn notes and how everything works with that, music theory-wise. I want to learn drums and bass. Wow. That's, that's still in the, in the waiting. But how will you strike this balance then between being someone who wants to be very active on stage and then perhaps having to sit at the piano or like you say, being quote unquote restricted by also having to play the guitar and have that around your neck? Well, hopefully in the future one day I'll be able to record um, my own instruments for my music too. So that's, that's the main focus for me, for learning instruments. And I also like to play around and, and see what happens. But in terms of uh, performing with a band, do you have a band behind you right now? Is that something that you want to get to where you have a full band behind you? What What's the setup? It's something I want to get to eventually if I want to do a tour or something. But right now I just have a lot of really cool musician friends that I'm really thankful for. Is that, uh, is that thanks to the San Diego music community and, and the connections that you've been able to make here? Yes, and thank you to the school that I attended when I moved here when I was 16, which is uh, San Diego School of Creative and Performing Arts. Wow. It's a high school. And I went there uh, junior year and half of my senior year before going, moving on to homeschool, and I graduated from there uh, to continue having more time to travel and all of this. But I also met uh, really cool artists in that school. Well, oh, that sounds like um, episode 180. Listeners, uh, go back and check out that. Uh, my guest was Tina Perez, and she talked about the high school that she attended in New Jersey and just the tremendous, tremendous arts program that they had there. And this was this was high school, yes? Yes. Yeah, so it sounds like you got a, a very valuable education there in terms of music and being able to apply it. Not that math and social studies and all that isn't applicable, but you're, you're already putting into use what you learned there. Yes. 
Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, really want to step outside your comfort zone and just flat out play somewhere, anywhere? Give busking a shot. Do some research first on what it is and what it isn't, as well as the do's and don'ts. Believe it or not, it's not right across the board completely just show up anywhere and play. Even listen to episode 164 of this show when Natalie Gelman talked about getting started doing that and the benefits she found in it, and even today still going back and doing it. And then give it a shot. It should give you a completely different perspective on things, musically and life lessons. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. Denora, talk about the differences between performing over in China versus here in the States when you perform. Well, when I perform in China, um, I had a lot of friends already there um, from years of knowing them and my father's friends too. And a lot of the, the bands that were living there were also a lot of my friends, so there was a lot of support that I had. Then moving here, this, I didn't know a lot of people yet, so that's I think that would be the difference. But other than that, um, performing here and meeting people now has been really nice, and I'm hoping to build something out of this. Did you find that in China, you mentioned earlier about restaurants and maybe bars that were kind of like restaurants, but did you find that the venues were any different or maybe I should say even were the audiences different in the way that maybe they reacted to you versus the way they react to you here? Yeah, well, when I would perform like around 12 or 1 in the morning or 2, there was a lot of very supportive drunk people, (laughs) which allowed me to loosen up on stage too because I was like, well, they're having a good time, I'm having a good time too. So... It was um, kind of helped me take off the nervousness too, because I knew that they were happy at the moment that I just performed and all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to 12 o'clock at night or 1 o'clock in the morning here, and maybe they're drunk and not paying attention, is that the case? Well, I'm not allowed to perform in bars here. Oh, uh, that's true. So that's, that's different too. That's true. But I wonder, uh, did you find any differences in the way that your music was received over there versus here where it's probably just the fabric of society and people are used to hearing what you perform over there? Was it, I don't want to say shocking to them, but was it different to them? The music? Or the original music? I don't, I don't think, uh, I didn't really notice. I mean, people would come up to me and tell me, oh, I, I really like your songs, stuff like this, but I didn't really notice a difference in, in the country. But uh, I believe that I read that you are fluent in Mandarin, is that correct? Not fluent, like complete. It's a very hard language, but I can speak. Yeah, I can have a conversation. But these were, these audiences that you performed to, the, these were locals, but they spoke English too, or it didn't matter, they appreciated the music anyways? 
there were locals and there were foreign people. In uh, the city of Shenzhen, there's a lot of people that are there for business. So, so I got to meet a lot of foreign people as well. So it never was a concern of yours that, what if I'm up here singing in English and they don't understand me? No, I never thought about that. Oh, that's good. It's one less, one less thing to be nervous about. <laughs> you have recorded over in China with mixing and mastering done in Los Angeles. Why the decision to split it up that way instead of just doing everything here in California where you are? So I was already living in San Diego when I went back to China to record Count Your Shoes and another song. But the sound engineer didn't speak any English, and we would speak to him in Mandarin too, but he didn't really understand. It was a really hard um, language barrier, especially musically, to get him to understand what I wanted and, and everything. So we decided to get the files from this recording and move to LA and see if we could keep it going there. I see, I see. How did you find a studio in China to begin with? How do you, how do you figure out where you want to go and record the project? The musicians. Um, my friend uh, Mark Puchoy, he's a drummer and, uh, in China, and he helped me find the studio because his band had recorded there before too. And did you almost feel like, I don't know any, any studios here at all, so you're the only recommendation I'm getting, so I'm going to go with that? Or did you say, thank you for the recommendation, I'm just going to check out a few other places and then come back to this one? Well, I wasn't familiar with any more recording studios, so when he told me, he, he gave me a good um, review for it, so we went. It was a really nice studio. It was just a language barrier. But then as far as the actual performance, going in and singing so that you can record there, was that language barrier something that maybe impacted you and made it a little bit more difficult? Maybe you would have been more comfortable if there wasn't a language barrier, or is it, I'm a performer and it doesn't matter, I just go in and find my zone and sing? Oh yeah, I just went in and found my, found my zone, and I was uh, scatting at the end of Count Your Shoes, I just scat, and I did it four times, and, and it, was, it's really, it was really cool. Um, I still got into the moment and the music and everything, but it was harder to explain to the sound engineer what I wanted sure. for the song to sound, so that was uh, difficult. But you're still pleased with, with how it came out anyways. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's that's certainly an experience that, that you won't forget anytime soon. And, and again, it makes you that much more well-rounded because now you have something to compare it to and, and maybe it makes you appreciate what you have here in the States a little more. Yeah, of course. Uh, do you have any... I don't want to say reasons, but do you go back to Mexico at all? Is it, if so, is it just to visit? Do you perform there? Is it both? Yes, I, yeah, I have family living there, and my mom's side of the family live around more of a Mexico City area, in Guadalajara and all these places. They're also scattered around the world, but most of my dad's family lives in Tijuana, so I visit there a lot. And lately, I've been going there for the guitar lessons with Javier Vázquez. I'm having a show July 27, so for the first time in Mexico with some musician friends and we formed a band and it's going to be really fun, so yes. Outstanding. I am on location in San Diego and talking with singer-songwriter Denora Zamora. Visit her official website at denorazamora.com. As I mentioned before, you will just need to look at the title of this episode on your listening device so you can get the proper spelling of her first and last name so that you can go to denorazamora.com. 
And then when you do get there, as I mentioned before, there are lots of links to Denora on social media. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. As I mentioned in the intro, she is also on Reverb Nation. In fact, she's ranked number one in this area for her genre currently on Reverb Nation. You can find her music on SoundCloud, one of the platforms that the show is available on. Her music is streaming on Spotify, but do please purchase her music. It is available through the likes of iTunes and Amazon. Of course, as I mentioned before, please go to Amazon by starting at nhte.net and click on the tall Amazon banner to get there. Don't forget that there is a Patreon campaign for this show, patreon.com slash nhte, or just go to nhte.net, which is your home for pretty much anything and everything having to do with this podcast. There's a button there for Patreon, a button there to go join the Facebook group. You can write in to podcast at nhte.net. Do sign up for the e-newsletter at nhte.net. Make sure you're subscribing to this podcast and tell a friend to do so as well through any one of the various platforms that the show is available on. And of course, please do engage with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. There are icons that you can click on to go to all of those when you're on nhte.net. So Denora, tell us about the new EP. Uh, Where are you in the process? How many songs will there be? Is there a title for it? When will it be out? So this, uh, this EP, I've been working on it for a little over a year now, and um, there's going to be five songs, five full songs in the intro to it. Um, it's going to be out hopefully by fall, because it's all about timing, you know, how to get it right and all of this, and I'm very superstitious about numbers and numerology, so i got to get the date right, time wow. right, everything. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really fun. It's a, I think it's, I want it to be really different. It's a very, very diverse. All the songs are different. And, yeah. Will there be a, do you have a title for it yet, or, or is that something you'll decide closer to release time? It's called Cosmic Vision. Ah, is that uh, the name of a song, or it's just the, title, the, of the EP? title of the EP? title of the EP. So will Count Your Shoes be on that, or that's just a single that you released so that it could stand on its own? Yes, it'll be on there. Ah, okay, okay. So I'm curious, with all that we've been talking about here in this interview so far, how have you managed to keep up with school all this time, what with all these various musical projects that you've had going on, not to mention moving? (laughs) Well, it was very hard, (laughs) because when I moved here for school, a lot of teachers didn't understand why I had to leave one month to China because I was doing performances there and shows and all of this and they didn't understand why I was taking a month off school and it was crazy because when I got back I had a lot of work to do. Um, that's why in the middle of my senior year I switched to homeschool and I graduated from there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was difficult but I got through it. <laughs> Uh, I haven't brought it up at all, but are you okay with telling the listeners how old you are currently? Yes, I'm 18. And you hear listeners this amazing track record of everything that she's done so far in, in, in just 18 years uh, of, well, probably 13 years since we talked about being age five and, and starting into all this, but it's not unlike uh, episode 178 when I interviewed Victoria Canal. She was in London at the time uh, starting at uh, NYU, I believe it was, in the fall, and she was only 18, and I said that I felt like I was talking to a 28-year-old, and it sounds to me, Denora, like you've lived enough, enough life and had enough experiences that maybe maybe sometimes do you feel like you're 28 instead of 18? I don't know, man. Numbers are a crazy thing. 
you know? I don't believe in age. I believe in uh, experience and um, a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so I don't believe in age. Uh, yeah, it's hard sometimes because I remember I'm 18 and it seems like such a small number. I feel like, I don't know, I could be... 34-year-old woman. woman. <laughs> so then probably five years ago, or I guess four and a half years ago, you must have been fascinated when it was December 12th of 2012, right? 12, 12, 12? 12. <laughs> well, um, we played Count Your Shoes at the beginning of the interview today, and uh, you just mentioned that it will be on the EP. You also even did a video for Count Your Shoes that, wow, has gotten over 16,000 views in the first two months. Tell the listeners all about that project. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, yeah, so this project, Count Your Shoes, I wanted to record this video in China, um, film this video in China, because it was written there, and there's a lot of stories there, and, and places that I wanted it to, to come out in the video. So my best friend, Kenneth Diaz, he helped me film it, and. I told him what I wanted, I directed this video, mm. and yeah, I'm really happy with how it came out. What about uh, the location for where you shot it? I think I saw something, it might have even said on your YouTube channel, uh, where you shot this at. I, I shot in two places, as in, um, as in, uh, like uh, one Luna Bar and the other one Man Cafe, which were actual places. But we, are, we also shot in the, the rooftop and in the streets. I was walking barefoot in the streets. And the cafe and the bar, did you? is it just like the United States? You had to get permission or maybe you filmed it during their, the time that they're normally closed? Yeah, we got permission because we needed it to be a little... Um, we needed to ask when there was not a lot of people there so it could be we could have more space. So yeah, we had to ask permission, but they were very nice and they let us record there. And I think you just said that there was another scene that you said you filmed, you were barefoot in the street, right? Yeah. So how does one do something like that, uh, knowing that you have to make sure there's not traffic around, and this isn't a big Hollywood production where they can just shut down streets. How did you do that? Well, there was cars passing by and people, and we had to stop sometimes because people would pass by. But, and that was actually just a random idea I got. I was like, you know what, it's count your shoes, but at the same time, it's a metaphor about taking off your shoes. You know, taking off all this perspective and just in the, be in the moment. And uh, so I was like, let's take off the shoes, let's walk in the streets. And yeah, so my friend filmed it. We got an iPhone flashlight to get some light in there. Wow, that's <laughs> creative. But for anyone who's listening who is a musician themselves, an artist, and is thinking of making a music video, um, can you give them some advice? Because another concern that I would think that someone would have shooting that type of a scene, because in the bar or in the cafe, you've got the run of the place and there's no one else there. But out on the street, never mind the cars, you also get people who decide that they want to be dumb and go in behind you and try to photobomb and stuff like that. Yeah, well, no, actually, um, the people are very respectful. A lot of um, what, I, what I have seen from the Chinese locals, they kind of like laugh it off. They're like, oh, like, what is she doing, you know? Um, but yeah, they didn't really mind at all. They didn't bother us or anything. So you said that you directed the video. So I take it that you storyboarded this in advance. No. No. So I, I knew I had pictures in my head of what I wanted it to be like, 
where we, we just filmed several times, and uh, just different shots of different parts. And then I was there to edit it too. I was like, I wanted wow. to be here, and I also helped edit it. Wow. And I wanted these effects, and I didn't know how to get it, but my best friend did. So I was like, so how do you get this on this and this? And he was like, okay, so you gotta download this, and you know, all those uh, glitches that you see on there like, that are kind of tripping. I wanted that, but I didn't know how to put that there, but he did, so he helped me. So thank you. <laughs> so did you, in the process, kind of learn video editing yes. on, on your own? Because, because he's in China, yes? Mm -hmm. So for this EP that's coming out, will you do another video for one of the other songs that's going to be on there? Yes, I want to do videos for um, most of the songs, but I want to edit them myself. And I can't film myself, but I will have um, friends help me film. And, and uh, yeah, maybe I can edit them now. Now, what about uh, any plans promotionally once the EP comes out? Will you travel at all to play more shows, or is it you're just going to play an awful lot in San Diego? What, what are your thoughts with that? Well, we don't have that planned yet. We kind of just live day by day, see what happens. But yes, um, I want to do more shows to promote the, the music and the EP, and, and see if I can get more interviews and stuff like this. To, so I'm curious, when I told you how many views it has gotten on YouTube, Count Your Shoes, you were caught off guard, you didn't know that. So that means that that has all been organic. You didn't, you didn't pay to get more views on YouTube to, to boost it or, or whatever is the right expression. Yeah, well, I've had friends help me share it and all of this. But yeah, last time I checked out, it was 14. So I didn't know. Wow. Are right now? <laughs> <laughs> That's tremendous. Well, Denora, we're going to close today with another song of yours, one called Watch the Cricket. But before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please. So this song is about the move um, from China to San Diego. And I, I mentioned in the second verse, my friend Michelle. So we used to have this paint club where we just saw it together and paint. And it was like a friend thing with bond there. And none of us know how to paint except her. <laughs> but we just all do it for fun. And it just talks about the memories and he uses the metaphor, watch the cricket, as in watch out for the silence. And I'm kind of telling myself, like, I didn't know how much it was going to hurt when I left. Because uh, at 16 years old, well, you have all your friends there and everything you know. So it was a really big uh, decision that I made that I didn't realize at the time. So once I was already in San Diego, it really hit me. And I wrote this song in the corner of my room, crying. Oh my gosh. Yes. It, it sounds to me as though all your songwriting, you do it all by yourself, you don't co-write? No. So do you ever feel as though you need to bring the song to somebody to say, here's a song I just did, what do you think? Or is it, look, I'm the one that wrote it, I'm, as long as it's done, I'm happy. Yeah, well actually, one of the songs on the EP, I did with my friend Blaze, but I wrote the lyrics and the melody with the music. And I'll speak about it later once it comes out. But, but yeah, um, I usually write all of my songs on the guitar, and in my mind, I just think about other instruments and how I want it to be, the beats and, and everything else. And I just kind of tell them, the musicians, once they get together in the studio, and this is kind of how I want it to be and all of this. But I write out everything. I was going to say, I would have to think that, if nothing else, your parents must hear these songs and they must be amazed at, again, and I know you, you seem like you're not real, real receptive to the compliments, but your parents must be amazed at the maturity level that they hear, either in the songs or, or once you describe these messages like, like you're telling me about. Yeah, sometimes it's kind of a, um, it's a little bit of a shock, but I'm like, oh, 
embarrassing to tell to show my parents first uh, the songs because I'm really honest in my lyrics and it's, I don't have a diary but I have a music journal where I write music and and I write about everything that happens in my life and things I see and things I feel so when they hear the songs sometimes I feel like oh they're gonna hear this line and it's really honest um, but no they respect me as, a, as an artist and they know that um, they like me being honest and putting myself in this position to help others as well. Now, is, is that a metaphor that, that writing music is your way of writing a journal, or do you actually have a journal that you carry around with you so that you can write down ideas? I do, yeah. I have a lot of journals, and just, I don't know why. You know, that's actually kind of crazy, because I always use different things. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just, I like poetry. I love writing in general. Um, I want to write a book and someday, and have a really vivid dreams. And, I write about them too, and yeah, just I like writing it down, so I take inspiration from all that. Well, you're doing wonderfully with, with everything so far, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come and do this today. Thank you. All the best to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. Many, many thanks to singer-songwriter Denora Zamora. Do visit her official website. It's denorazamora.com, and do engage with her on social media, so that means like her Facebook page. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram. I did all of that this morning. I liked her Facebook page. I followed her on Twitter, and I followed her. Now, you have two Instagram accounts, I noticed. I do, yes. One is for music, and one is uh, personal. Okay. Well, I followed them both anyways. Uh, subscribe to her YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell her you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember that Denora is also on Reverb Nation, and that her music is on SoundCloud and streaming on Spotify. But certainly, however, do please purchase her music. It is available through the likes of iTunes and Amazon. Keep up with Denora online so you can get updates as she continues to make announcements towards the release of her EP. Don't forget to visit nhte.net and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help the show a lot. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and repost is how you share episodes on there. And you can also follow on SoundCloud. Engage with the show too. Go to nhte.net and click on the icon to go join the Facebook group. You can also write in via the email address podcast at nhte.net. Get with us on the various social media platforms that you'll find links to at nhte.net, those being Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Please also consider supporting the show with a donation through Patreon. There's a button at nhte.net for that. Check out the t-shirts and hats at nhte.net as well. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song by Denora Zamora. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Watch the Cricket. Like a much It was all of a sudden
Yeah. 